Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, I heard you needed inspiration. He's a lot of end friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day. Every little thing's gonna be A-OK. A-OK. You guys, after 18 months, I saw a play again at the Atlantic Theatre Company. It was extraordinary. The play is called The Last of the Love Letters, written by and featuring Ngozi Anyanwu, directed by Patricia McGregor, and featuring Daniel J. Watts and Xavier Scott Evans. It was the most extraordinary piece of theater. Ngozi and Daniel are just tearing up the stage. They are shredding it. It was so powerful. It was so exciting to watch these people tell a story that we will all relate to, especially after the last 18 months. The thing at the center of this play is, do we stick it out or leave, right? That's always the question. In this play, two people contemplate the thing they love most and whether to stick it out or leave it behind. To stay or to go, that is the question. The last of the love letters is just that, a plea and a painful goodbye wrapped into one. When this play ended, we leapt to our feet cheering, not just because it was such a remarkable thing to be in a theater again, safely masked, everyone had to be vaccinated to be greeted by the incredibly extraordinary Atlantic Theater Company staff to sit in that beautiful old church that's been uh, renovated and turned into just this beautiful theater in New York City. But truly, these performances are extraordinary. The play is so powerful and I felt so lucky to be there. And so will you. And you can go see this play, which is a limited engagement until Sunday, September 26th, by going to atlantictheater.org for tickets and more information. And while you're there, check out the incredible season ahead, The Last of the Love Letters, 
It was a beautiful night in the theater. And now without further ado, here's my conversation with the stars of The Last of the Love Letters, Ngazi and Daniel. Enjoy. A-okay. Everybody, I have the unbelievable pleasure to have two extraordinary artists on the podcast today. Uh, they are part of a world premiere play at the Atlantic Theatre Company in the greatest city in the world, New York City. It is called The Last of the Love Letters. It is written by an extraordinary artist, Ngazi Ayanwu, and she is also in this piece. Uh, that was directed by Patricia McGregor, and it features one of the most beautiful talents that I've had the pleasure of now interviewing twice, Daniel J. Watts. Um, Xavier Scott Evans is also in the play. Sadly, he couldn't join us this evening, but I just have to say, um, I saw your play during a hurricane. Yes. And oh, oh, wow. In the rain. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I, I feel like it made it all the more sort of immediate and sensorial and exciting. Um, and so I highly recommend if you can see this play during the hurricane, do it, but go even <laughs> if you can't. Right. Um, hello. Hello to you both. Can you just um, say your names out loud uh, for my listeners? Sure. Hi, I'm Ngazi Anyawu. And I am the playwright and I'm an actor in the play as well. And my name is Daniel J. Watts, and I am also an actor in the play. Yeah, you are. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> so so I'm going to read a description of this play, and you can tell me if if you feel like it's accurate, and then just use it as um a jumping off place to just talk about the genesis of, of this play, when you wrote it, how you wrote it, how the two yeah. of you decided to, to do this extraordinary dance together. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna say a few words about it and then it's all you. So this is the description. Two people contemplate the thing they love most and whether to stick it out or to leave it behind, to stay or to go, that is the question. The last of the love letters is just that, a plea and a painful goodbye wrapped into one. Playwright? Sure. Uh, <laughs> one, I hate writing synopses for my plays. So I just try and make it as close to or as vague as possible. Um, <laughs> um, so I'm like, I'll write a poem. That's what the play is about. Um, but yeah, it, it's very much about two people um, talking about something that they love the most and their relationship to love and their relationship to art. Um, and the inception for this play, I had worked, I, my, the prompt for this play was something I'd done with the 24 hour plays. Mark Armstrong had approached me about doing a monologue and uh, the first actor I was paired with was, was Pedro Pascal. And the way that that works is that they give you an actor and the actors kind of, and this was, you know, in, at the height of the quarantine. So, um, you know, Pedro was, you know, in his, uh, his home in, in LA. And he's like, I'm in a garage. I have a Stephen Ali Girgis playbill. Um, and I've never played insane because they give you like a prop, a place, and then what you've never done. Okay. Um, and it was Stephen Ali Girgis's motherfucker with the hat. And I was like, okay. And then 24 hours, make a monologue, go. Um, so I kind of written this, you know, two pager about someone who was really lovesick um, and had remembered a play <laughs> that they had seen with, the, with, the, with their lover, essentially. Um, and he had done that. And I was sort of in the height of writing, not wanting to write, writing, not wanting to write. Um, and then I just kind of kept on writing that one 
one thing. He had done it. And I was like, oh, this is cool. And I just really just kept writing it. So like two o'clock in the morning fervors when I really was like, I don't want to write anymore. I'm like, well, I'll just keep writing this thing. So this piece is very much like um, a hodgepodge of different monologue projects that I was approached with all year during the the um, quarantine and was like oh maybe this is one thing maybe this is my sort of like and I'm like also like who am I talking to I don't know who I'm talking to um and for me it was really about like wrestling with loneliness because I was very much trapped in LA um and just was up in bouts of depression and was just like all right I'm just I'm just purging I don't know what this is but it is a purging and it's 25 pages and <laughs> blouse blood out uh it's done <laughs> um maybe done um and I handed it to, to Neil because we were workshopping other plays throughout the pandemic. Um, Neil on- Pepe, artistic director of the Atlantic Theater Company. Yeah, and he was working on some other work of mine and we were just doing readings and very casual workshops just through Zoom um, and just reading plays. He was like, as long as you're here, you know, consider me a resource for anything that you want me to read. And I was like, well, I kind of, I have this thing. I don't think it's anything. It's just kind of, I don't know what it is. Here you go. And he was like, we're going to do that we're going to do that. And I was like, oh, but this isn't, I don't even know if this is what we're going to do it. So we'll see, we'll figure out what it is. Um, um, And that's the part that Daniel had performed in. And then as we were getting closer to rehearsal, um, as we were getting closer to to doing it in the season and committing more, he was like, you should write a companion piece um, with that, which is the piece that I perform in. Okay. Um, The two of you are two of the most prolific people during a quarantine, people who know, uh, people who know Daniel J. Watts, not just from his extraordinary Tony nominated performance in Tina and when this airs, who knows if there will be a change to that sentence, Um, uh, but, but, um, you know, his, his theater pieces, the jam um, are some of the most exciting exciting work to come out of a human being in a very long time. Um, And it is uh, both of you, my YouTube uh, relationship with both of you watching (laughs) previous work, Instagram, all the ways in which I can kind of see what the outpouring of art that that has come from your two bodies and souls. I just want to start by saying in case we run out of time has sustained me deeply during this unbelievably tumultuous time. Um, You know, we were talking in September of 2021. Yours was the first play I saw after an 18 month hiatus of of being in a room with live performance. And it was, um, I just felt so lucky that that was my introduction back into the world of art and theater and performance. It's so hard without giving, you know, it's always, I don't want to give away this play, right? I want people to go see this play because it's so unique. But I want to talk about how, because we were in a pandemic, how did the actual physical rehearsing, just quickly, guys, first, there's, it's like two separate plays. Um, These two actors are never on stage together. um, And yet we feel their relationship so strongly throughout, which is such a unique I don't know, gift of this piece, but how did you rehearse this? And and how did the two of you decide to do it together? We were in separate rooms pretty much the entire process. Like I was lucky enough to have the playwright every once in a while, but you know, but she had her own play to learn. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so it was, it was, you know, it was, it would be either her and Patricia working and then me and someone in the other room going over lines and then we'd swap. You know, and, you know, and that's, that was pretty much how we 
where we did a photo shoot with the um New with the New Yorker like week two, and we were like, "Hi, <laughs> <laughs> good hey, to good to see you." Um, <laughs> so you weren't rehearsing via Zoom; you were rehearsing in the Atlantic Theater yes. space. Yes. Yeah. And yes. was there testing involved? Was there a whole kind of regimen for health and safety? Well, they had to make sure that we were all vaccinated. So we had to be vaccinated just to start rehearsal. Okay. Um, um, and I was working on a film project. So I had been tested by before rehearsal. Okay. Anyway, and I know that Daniel was on vacation. I was in Mexico. So I had to get tested just to come back. You know, <laughs> okay. I had to get tested when I got back. Yeah. You know? So we were, yeah, everyone was, we were super safe. Yeah. And, and we were the only ones who were at mass. So the performers were the only ones during rehearsal who didn't have to wear a mask, but everybody was masked during rehearsal. So tell me what was, I mean, this is a very deep piece and there's kind of a, I don't want to call it a gimmick, but you feel like you think you know what this play is. And then at the end, you realize the love letter might not exactly be who you think the love letter was for, yeah. or maybe it is. Um, Tell me what was the most fun about making this piece of theater? Fun part is probably the now part. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, to the doing it of, you know, the feeling somewhat in, somewhat, I use somewhat, very loosely, somewhat in control of it, um, uh, or it's having some semblance of a handle on it. It's, you know, it's, Ngozi is a beautiful writer and it's very poetic as much as it is very, um, what's the word? It moves how your mental process moves. So everything isn't exactly linear, which is fun for me. That's fun for me trying to bounce back and forth between emotions and thought patterns and and maintaining it. Um, but, but yeah, it's just, it's been like, it's, it's been a great exercise. If nothing else, <laughs> it's been, it's been a great exercise in embodying emotions and, and personalities that, sometimes are probably only inside your mind hmm. right um the beauty in this play is that as a personally as a as an as a black man to have the opportunity to show such a wide range of emotions and in one piece um is is a true gift so that's I that's thought you were gonna say after the pandemic it was an exercise as, can I still learn lines <laughs> ah, right close because you know what I mean it's true. I mean, that was she when she first when they first approached me. I read it. I said, "Wait, <laughs> when when did she, when where, where wait? <laughs> where's the dia? Where's the dia of the log? I see monologue. Where's the dia part? Uh huh. Uh -huh. Can so, we do it as a reading? I can definitely yeah, do it as a reading. Oh, yeah. you're gonna say all of this by yeah. yourself? Okay. Well, how did you learn all of this by yourself? Well, did you sort of each of you set up? Um, uh, you know, what was the process for learning this? Did you kind of come to rehearsal already off book or and try to do it that way? At a, around, I think around the two, three week mark before rehearsal, I started reading the play every day mm -hmm. and and I was writing two pages of it. So how I memorize other people's material is I, I write it down. So it feels like I wrote it. Um, so oh, like so every, so for, th for, the for three weeks leading up to the first day of rehearsal, every day I would write two pages. I would read the whole play. Then I write two pages just so there was like feeling like it was coming out of me in some way or form. So that by the time we got to rehearsal, I was not unfamiliar with the words. I just found out either something had gotten cut or, <laughs> <laughs> or added, or added. You know? but I was, it, you know, I, I, I knew better than to come in here cold because that would have been foolish it would have been difficult <laughs> yeah difficult and yeah, had, yeah for, for you too for me 
<laughs> my piece is much shorter because <laughs> <laughs> I'm smart. smart. <laughs> um, uh, but it was just a lot of drilling. It was drill, drill, drill. Um, Xavier, who also is um, the sort of orderly person in the play, is also my assistant. So um, we go off to the side, work on lines, really. And for us, it was really like Patricia does this really great thing where she, at least for say rehearsal, she she does like an actress pass in rehearsal. So once we're once we're through like maybe a week or two of you know, a week or a few days of um, text work, then it's like, all right, we, once we're on our feet, she literally makes you do the play. So she's like, just go do the play. And so like, and then from then she starts over as far as blocking. So for me, I learned through blocking, like mm-hmm. I learned through intention and learned through blocking. And so the more I know what I'm doing, the more I um, know what this is, what's behind this, the more I can sort of memorize and what have you. So once we were on our feet, cause you can learn it, right. You can learn the script <laughs> <laughs> and then you got to do the script on stage. Totally then, different. then it's like, I don't know the script. Cause I don't, I don't know. know why and how I'm saying things. And so once we had started to block, it was like, Oh, this has to happen. And what have you, and this is when this happens. And then, Oh, and I'm saying it because of this. And so she really just kind of really, I mean, for lack of a better term, gotten the ass of the script. And, and once you just really know, everything that you're saying and doing and everything is motivated your body just remembers mm-hmm. that yeah when when she began working on this piece obviously it's really interesting when the performer is also the writer but not the director right. um did you feel like you had to sit on your hands sometimes or did you feel like through her eyes you learned a whole other kind of world about this play that you might not have known as the writer yeah, I mean, I very much do a, I'm learning very much so now, but I, I very much do a hands-off approach. I'm like, I wrote it, I'm done, go act. Um, uh, and Patricia had directed the world premiere of my first play in LA. And so we just have a really sort of like trustworthy, you know, relationship. So when I, when I am like, when it's time for me to come back and be the playwright, I go, hmm, you know, but for me, it, it is very much like, I don't quite know. And when, even when Neil had said yes to the play, I was like, oh, I don't quite know what I wrote though. Um, <laughs> like, you know, I just know I need like another actor who's really great, who will also get in the ass of the script, but I don't quite know what this is. So a lot of the process was being, um, you know, was trusting Patricia and trusting that she'll also do a lot of the work as far as like, this is what I see. And we can sort of, ar- and even Daniel, this is what I see. And we can kind of argue about that through the doing of it. So a lot of this was process oriented and not like product. Like this is what it is. Even like our first production meeting before we started rehearsal, they had a different set. And I was like, oh yeah, I don't think it's any of this. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think actually it's an art, you know, he has to be stripped of all things. So I think we have too many props for him. You know what I mean? Or we have too many set pieces for him. And so, um, <laughs> Daniel was like, what happened to my punching bag? I was like, what punching bag? Um, what happened to that prop? We did a week of rehearsal. He had one prop. And I was like, yeah, we have to get rid of that prop. Stripped. <laughs> Stripped of everything. He has too much stuff. <laughs> just acting. Just him. Just Devastated. <laughs> so it was a lot of trying things and being like, no, I don't think that that's it. So it's like, it's like, let's go all the way far and trust that we can take it away. And though it will be devastating, like we can recover, you know? So it was just, it was a lot of that. Daniel, what did Patricia sort of, you know, because even though you guys are in two different plays, I felt tonally there was a real consistency and continuity. I felt like you were both were very much in the same world. And I think so much of what a director does is let us know what the tone is mm. and, and help us find our way so that we live in the same world together. 
Yeah. Um, even if even if our pieces are separate, you know, this is you have a monologue and he has a monologue, basically. How did Patricia describe to you what she wanted the tone or the world of this piece to be or the, the texture of it? You know, I think it was still a lot of it was still being figured out in time, mm-hmm. even through previews yeah you know i think it, you actually saw a different ending than the opening the, yep. the, yeah i think we changed the ending we changed days it. later after you saw it yep <laughs> <laughs> so i get to come back yeah. yes <laughs> easy peasy okay yeah you know but it, I, it's just it really what goes was saying before about process like it really is it, it, it was very much let us let it tell us what it is through the doing of it repeatedly to see what works and what doesn't work and even things were like Here's here, do this. And then we'll do that for like three days. And then next thing you'll, you'll get comfortable with it. And she's like, okay, yeah, you don't do that anymore. And it's like, oh, but I'm comfortable with it. But it's like, yeah, but it doesn't work. So it doesn't fit with what, <laughs> again, whatever this overall thing is that we're doing. Mm-hmm. That, um, but I think tonally, it, it it's very much, it's an inner dialogue that is happening outside mm-hmm. for and I think for a lot of people, that's what that's what hits them is like, oh, my thoughts are on display. That's what hit me when I first read it. I was like, I'm not doing this. I wasn't going to do it because all my thoughts were on display. You know, all of my feelings and emotions. And wait, is with- that true? Was there a moment where you were like, thank you so much. This is beautiful. I can't wait to come see it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, he, he definitely <laughs> tried. I never like literally I didn't hear him at all. Like, I know he says that he was whatever, but I, I, I went to his apartment and I was like, Hold on, he's the play. He's literally the play. So I think he was trying to tell me no, but I was mm-hmm. not. He was like, I have this friend who'd be so great in this part. And you were like, is that a euphemism for you? Yeah, I was like, okay, great. Oh, uh-huh. I can't do Tina Turner. I can't do your play. And I go, why not? Yes, you can. Mm-hmm. You have to do my play. You have to. Well, and now yeah. you're doing that. Now the thing that you were worried about, which is rehearsing one thing and doing this other thing, both of which are unbelievably all-consuming sorts of roles. How are you handling it? Day by day. You know, it's, <laughs> I love like, that song. You know, it's 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 very ironic that I that I wrote an article, an essay <laughs> about you know taking my you know not coming back and doing the most, but I and and, and I came back to do the most. That was what it was about. Wasn't That's it? literally what it was about. Um, <laughs> it was about coming back and not say that again. I was saying I, I did an essay for a backstage um, yeah. about, you know, before the pandemic, I was doing the most and I felt like I was on a runaway train. And I was like, what I'm not going to do when I come back from the pandemic is get on that runaway train again. You're going to say no. You're going to say, say no. no. And, you know, the, I will say the different. I am doing better. The difference is that I'm doing I'm definitely doing things that I care about. Mm-hmm. Whereas before I was often saying yes to things I did not care about. Mm. And though that was compiling, I was already exhausted and then piling things on top of that. I'm doing two things that I care about incredibly, which allows me to definitely say no to other things because I I cannot put I can't jeopardize either of these things. So that is the difference. It's still the most. Mm-hmm. It's just <laughs> it's the most. <laughs> Um, I don't want to give something away, but you do something so intimate on stage. Uh, uh, I haven't seen that before. Or I, if I did, I, I forgot. <laughs> I blacked, blocked out. it out. <laughs> I blocked it out. Or it just wasn't done as um, honestly as the way you do it. So there's a, there's a sexual act that happens in this play that is very real. Um, and I want to know if that, 
you know, there are things that other people think, oh, that must be so scary. And that's not the thing that's scary for the actor. Sure. Um, where does that fit into your, I don't know, where is that on a scale of one to 10 in terms of I want to do this, I don't want to do this, or? I didn't feel that I was going to be put on display in, you know, in a, in a bad way. But also, I, I, I don't remember when I adopted this, but as I do, I adopted, I learned it during World Inside a Loop, which is in theater specifically, we're kind of working on a thing and we're inviting people to come see what we're working on. Mm. If I had to go out to do it, I might have a different kind of feeling. If well, I were- it was very real. That's what I want to say. And it was very brave. And I guess what I was asking before our, our technology was not a friend for a second is, was that scary for you or wasn't particularly scary? No, it wasn't. I, and okay. I, I imagined it to be, I, I definitely had projected all of the fear on top of it. That was like, I can't, this is my mom's coming. I can't, yeah. do it. And you know, yeah. and again, once if you see the piece, you, you what, what we've already, how far we've already, I never know the proper way to say this word, mm. dived, dove in, <laughs> what is it? D- Dived, dived, mm. dive. The depths we've gone. There you go. There you, go. <laughs> you swam. You swam yeah, in yeah, very yeah. deep waters. Swam in deep like, waters. Yes. Yes. Need to see. Welcome. Right. We, right. We, I'm sorry. All I'm thinking of is your mom seeing the play. I don't even know what you're saying right <laughs> now, but I'm sure you're saying words that are English, and sure. I probably can hear them exactly. The, the things like the the depth in which we've already gone, it actually makes sense to go there. Like it, it doesn't, it's not out of left field. It's like, this is very natural. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, you know, and everyone might not want to admit that and that's fine, but every, we all know the truth. <laughs> yeah. And Desi, you have written such unbelievably real people. And I know that sounds like such a silly thing to say, but there are times where you watch something and you feel like, these are dimensions of people that I know. Um, but there was something about this play that almost felt like documentary. Like I was watching a documentary of two humans expose themselves and, and share. There's, I was reminded of a private moment exercise we used to have to do in acting class that you would dread. And then afterwards you'd feel like so happy that you kind of really went for it. That's how I really felt watching you in particular in that first piece, you have to come out by yourself to an empty state. You know, it's very bare bones. I love the kind of bare bonesness of this production. It isn't super proppy. I know it's hard when they stripped you away of all those things, Daniel. And we're like, no, you're just gonna have, you're each gonna have a bed and you know, you're gonna have a pill and you're gonna have a playbill, right? Like that's sort of it. Um, but it was really thrilling. And I, and I felt really honored to be in a space where you were doing that kind of work, um, which felt so private in public. And it was truly a privilege to be there. and. Um, you are really one of, I mean, I'm, I'm talking to one of the, the, the greatest writers of our generation and it's hey, again, <laughs> oh, for the people in it's, the back. <laughs> it's just, um, it's kind it's just, I have chills and it's thrilling. And I, and I really encourage everyone who can to go see this piece. It will, it will live in other theaters and other places. It's something you've also written something that's so producible. Right. Like no matter what budget a theater has, what, whether it's a school or a Broadway stage, it's so doable. Mm-hmm. It's just 
about these people without all the bells and whistles. And um, it, it is why we, we go to the theater, right? To see humanity exposed and explored in this way. And, and it truly is uh, a love letter to the arts and a love letter to the struggle. And it was so layered in texture from what, what will be the history of this time mm. uh, in the world. You know, this podcast, this will live forever, this conversation. We are talking in such a specific time, you mm. know, um, and, and it is of this moment, but it will be, it will be relevant in all moments. Um, and so I thank you for it. And the two of you, um, the two of you together, like getting to see you together now um, when the movie of this is made, I feel like this, I'm casting you sure. in, in this thing together. Like you couldn't be, I'm mad it's a podcast. I'll, I'll try to use some of this uh, on YouTube because you're so gorgeous. It's like looking into the sun. It's a lot. It's a lot to take in. Um, is there anything you guys want to share or say about what this experience has been for you? I keep talking about the privilege it's been for me, but... We have a, a few more minutes before it's time to go. If there's anything you want to share, please, this the mic is yours. I'm going to say it. Oh, goodness. <laughs> no, I do. What I, another thing that I really, really love about this piece is that it is, it, it, for a lot of people, it is their first performance since since the shutdown. And I do think that it is a very, I, I love that Ngozi has, has given us this this very raw, very real, very artistic piece as a barometer. Like this is what we're starting here um, in the, in the, as I say, the come forward. I don't like to say the come back. We're not, we're not coming back after the pandemic. We're coming forward. Um, and, you know, this is, this is what we're doing. <laughs> this is what's being done. And, you know, I, I am grateful that you should be a part of it, but I do think that it, it will help shift how people look at art and for the long term, you know, different kind of artists for everybody. You know, we, everything can't be like this, but I do think that we deserve and and need more stuff like like this play. So, come on, get your get your medicine. <laughs> um, I think for me, it's just been really hard and really fun. Actually, um, I just. I love, I love, I love theater. I love it. I have a love hate relationship with it. Um, more love than hate. Um, and it's been really great being in a room with people that I like a lot and watching them grow and expand and writhe and challenge themselves the way that I'm challenging myself. So it's, it's always, um, exciting and scary, but really beautiful to go. Oh, I think, I think it's these people. Like, I think I'm going to do this journey with these people. I think that these are the right people. Because even when you've worked with people before or when you've seen them perform, you're like, you're taking a risk, you know? Um, you're 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 sharing a lot. I'm, you know, my plays are always very personal, especially this one. And so you're you're taking a risk to be like, hey, I'm I'm giving you my heart. Don't stomp on it, guys. <laughs> you know, and and you do that in rehearsal with the director. You do that with the fellow actors, and you do that with the audience, being like, this is what I'm giving you. Please don't disrespect it. <laughs> you know, um, um, and and the reception has been really kind and lovely, but also it's been really an honor to, to watch Patricia even expand and grow as a director, mm. like to watch her 
just just re- really be like what like i didn't even know i wrote that like yep. did you add that no i wrote that okay yeah you know it's been an honor to watch you know daniel who i've been a fan of for a while and we've been like periphery friends right like oh you're a cool artist i know you i know you you're cool and i'm like oh <laughs> i know you now <laughs> you know and vice versa like you know me yeah. this is you're in my play you know me and so um you know i very much do this to sort of like remind myself that i'm not alone um so um and i'm trying to share it to remind also other people that they're not alone okay i make everybody do this you have to share a little known fact about yourself with me for the little known facts podcast uh, to, to end the episode. It could be, I hate bananas to something very deep. It could be any kind of. (laughs) Um, Little known fact about me that they all now know I have a really intense online shopping addiction. <laughs> there, are, there are support groups for that. Um, um, oh, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. So, <laughs> you don't let go yet. So after every show, there is a really cute outfit. I'm trying to remember what I said last time. Um, <laughs> little known fact is that I used to be a gummy bear junkie. Like, junkie. I used to, I had a bag of gummy bears in a drawer beside my bed that I would dig into in the middle of the night. And just eat gummy bears. It was a problem. Was, is this adult Daniel or or I think young it, person? It. I think I demolished it around like four years ago. Oh. Like, because I, I was like, this is a, this is a problem. It was a problem. Oh. I, I the wasn't middle of the night. No, middle of the night. That was definitely high school me. Okay. Um, okay. Maybe college me. Okay. College uh-huh. me a little bit, but yeah, definitely middle of the night. Just gummy bears. Oh, All right, you guys. I want you to have time <laughs> to rest before your show. Um, we're sending gummy bears over to the theater um, and an Amazon gift card. Uh, you guys, thank you for your beautiful talents. Thank you for being on the podcast today. Have a great show tonight. Everyone go see The Last of the Love Letters. These are two of the most beautiful artists you will ever get to be in close proximity to. It's an intimate, beautiful theater, but all the safety precautions are in place. So you will be safe and you will be moved and inspired. I wish you both a beautiful show. And thank you, thank you, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you thank for you, having Lana. us. Good to see you. Bye. Bye, guys. Have fun. One more thing. So many of you have asked, how do you donate to the podcast? Well, it could not be easier. Just go to littleknownfactspodcast.com slash donations. Instructions are clearly laid out. And I'm so grateful to you in advance for any donation you choose to make. But regardless, I have loved, loved, loved making the previous 200 and something episodes for you. I can't wait to make 200 more. I wish you a beautiful day. Stay healthy. Be safe. Until next time. The episode was edited by Nicholas Clark. We recorded in New York City. And the Little Known Facts theme song was written and recorded by Georgia Famusa with backups by Caleb Famusa. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? 
picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket, outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try.